So here's the thing about Gamergate. Oh boy. Gamergate got mad at the game because it didn't have a gate. <laughs> well, there are, there is no, you know what? There Credit is no credits bottom. Uh, there is no there is no gate in Gone Home. <laughs> Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast where white guys talk to you about stuff. I'm the worst of all possible AJs, and I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. Uh, and today we are playing the Fulbright Company's 2013 masterful meander around an old house, where the purpose of the game is to find uh, the porn of every single member of your family. Gone home. So Brian, yes. let's talk about Gone Home because uh, it is it is absolutely one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, but what is your experience with it? When did you first play it, uh, and what was your initial reaction? Uh, to the game? So I've I guess I've played Gone Home three times now. Third time for this. Uh, second time I wasn't the one playing, but I had someone else play it on my computer. And I was Ooh. there the whole time. And, Did they have headphones on, or were you uh, at least able to like watch the game? No, we were. Or just... you know, no, my friend was like playing it, and we were both just sitting there and talking and going through the game together. Aww. It was fun. Yeah. And that friend also picked up every single object in the house and threw it on the floor. Yeah, no, but, that's that's how I play. But turned off the lights every time they left a room. <laughs> what? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Brian, you're making person, a disaster of this house. But you're, and yeah, so I'm like, this why person are you does turning out the lights? This is this taking up so much time. Like, well, uh, you know, th- it's, I don't want to waste electricity. <laughs> I said, you're wasting real electricity by spending time throwing every goddamn cup on the floor. Um, there's actually a really funny story about the development of Gone Home uh, that one of the play testers uh, was leaving every room and uh, turning off uh, the lights as they left. Uh, and then there's a note on the board upstairs yes. on, the, on the little bulletin board uh, that says, you're as bad as your sister. Stop wasting electricity and turn off the lights when you leave the room. <laughs> Um, and the playtester for it uh, told the people, they're like, well, is that a problem? And she's like, no, no, I just assumed that I learned my lesson while I was in Europe. The Europeans are, you know, there is a, a much greater cultural taboo around leaving a light on when you leave the room. That's how the ghosts get in. Uh, Steve Gaynor says that... Uh, you know, it was his it was his way of being like that was like our way of like checking in on the player of like revealing uh, pulling back the curtain and waving at you and uh, waving yeah. at the player and be like, hi, we're here. We, we know yeah. what you're doing. We know exactly <laughs> what you're doing. But it also just says that he was like, you know, I, I was so surprised by players ability to meet us halfway. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, or how much they wanted to sort of explore the house. But and you were saying there Brian. is such a deep respect for players in this game. Um, I, I, I remember reading about Gone Home. I don't think maybe it wasn't available for Mac or I didn't know if my device could play it. Then it was in a humble bundle. So I bought it with a bunch of other things and thought, OK, I'm going to download it, see if it actually works. And it mm, kind of did. It, it has some performance issues. I mean, I just played it on a newer device, and it still has some performance issues. Even in the commentary track, the, the guy who designed the doors uh, still says oh, there's yeah. still bugs in there that we will never be able to fix. Uh, <laughs> well, if you talk to game developers, doors are the worst thing. In yeah. every single game, they're like one of the single hardest things 
to design for a, a multitude of reasons. Uh, doors and cables, right? Which is why yeah. a lot of The Last of Us 2 uh, discussion, at least in the game design world, was how they yeah. got the cable to react as you know naturally yeah. as it did. But the doors, I will say, in Gone Home are also big, chonky boys. I don't know. Yeah, if... they're they're thick. Yeah, they they're like armored doors. doors. Also, one of the conceits of the game that I did not notice. I don't. My first time playing through. Uh, I don't know if you did, but they 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 actually swing on like wild west hinges. Uh, yes. You can open them one way or the other, and it's just because p- players kept getting stuck in rooms. And really, if you play any game. That tends to be the solution they come up with, whether Rockstar made it or Fulbright or even Hotline Miami, right, where the doors are just like a line on the ground. They open both ways all the time because fuck, just fuck, just like just get rid of the problem. Yeah, right, right. Because I mean, just get it out of the way. You know, as a player, you don't want to spend a lot of time like standing there trying to maneuver getting around a door you just opened. Yeah. Right. You want to just be able to keep going. Um but, yeah, that was one of the things. And then the other thing that they did not include in the game that I think is very, very funny is there are no shoes in the house of Gone Home. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, nobody ever called us out for it. You know, why are, Why is this house, you know, full of people, but there were no shoes? If that's what you're focused on while playing this game, <laughs> I think I think maybe you've missed... <laughs> You've missed the forest for the trees. <laughs> I came into Gone Home, I think, originally on Steam, and then, uh, you know, was completely enraptured by it. Uh, I spent, I think my first playthrough was four hours. Like, I spent a really long time, like, reading well, over stuff. Well, you had to throw everything on the floor. I did. I am a trash goblin, and it's so much fun. Uh, one of the my favorite trophies in the game, or achievements that you can get, is uh, just turning on all the taps. You get an achievement called the Wet Bandits. See, I, I think... The, the achievements weren't there when I played it, so it still must have been relatively new because I know they added achievements later on, but I played this time and I got a couple of achievements and I thought, I definitely did this before. There's one that I will never be able to get. I have tried a lot to get it. I think I have now played God Home eight or nine times. Uh, but I've beaten Gone Home 16 because I was trying to get the speedrunner trophy. Oh. You have to beat Gone Home in under a minute, which is a thing you can, you can. Uh-huh. technically do, but is so difficult that I, I, I don't think I'll ever be yeah. able to do it. Apparently, you slow down when you turn, so you have to like memorize. The speedrun like, is something to... that's actually going to come up later, I guess, because yeah. people, <laughs> people have an issue with how fast the speed run is. I, I recently played it on console, which I think is really fun. I, I actually really love playing it with commentary mode on yeah. because the sense of joy that you get from the creators of this game and how much fun they had, like on just the most boring stuff imaginable in the game. There was an old blog post I found where uh, one of the designers was talking about how uh, she really wanted to like capture like the 1995 feel and to combine like old antique furniture with like you know mm-hmm. what what was hip and happening in the mid 90s and she has a very particular catalog from Sears from 1990 <laughs> and there's a part of the commentary where you go into like the parents bedroom and it and the guy's just like look how ugly this wicker furniture is <laughs> well and that recreation of the 90s is is so well done this is a great example of a game where form dictates content right they they wanted to make a game where you walk around a house and read letters right because yeah. They, they just wanted to do kind of what they did at the end of Minerva's Den, but for a whole game. Right, which they had worked on. They worked on Minerva's Den and then moved on from the AAA sphere to, to do this. Which I think was actually the strongest DLC uh, of Bioshock 2. Some people consider it the strongest DLC of any game, period. I think that's a very valid argument. Yeah. Um, why aren't they called Big Brothers? Why because, are they Big Daddies? Well, because Ken Levine is, is a kinky freak. 
we don't allow him at Pride anymore. What's 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 really funny is uh, <laughs> Steve Gaynor in his GDC conference keynote speech, which I, we'll get to a little bit later, called uh, "Why Is Gone Home a Game." <laughs> That's um, great. He shows a picture of Kent Levine at one point. He's like, "Look at that little sweetie," and I was like, <laughs> it, "Oh like, no. it, it, it broke my brain in half to hear that man described as a sweetie. I don't think I'd ever call any of my bosses that. Uh, even as a joke, because it makes me feel very weird. Like, I don't know. I think in order to create any video game uh, on a triple A level, you have to sort of inspire a cult of personality. And it seems as though in the founding of Fulbright Studio, of uh, the Fulbright company, later Fulbright, mm-hmm. that Steve Gaynor really wanted to escape that. He yeah. and uh, and his collaborators, uh, Janemann Nordhagen and Carla Zimonia wanted to escape that sort of system of tight deadlines and schedules and just kind of make a game on their own terms. Yeah. Uh, and so they founded the studio in March of 2020, uh, and they later brought on uh, Kate Craig as an environmental artist uh, in August of 2012, which was basically the four people that worked on Gone Home. They didn't just work together. They all lived, except for Kate, who is a Canadian, they all lived in the same house. In the Fulbright house, they called it. They programmed this in a basement. Like, when people talk about indie game development, it <sighs> it almost it can't get much more indie than being in a basement of a house in Portland, Oregon, making a game about wandering around a bigger house <laughs> in Oregon. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's actually such an interesting detail, too, that it's like, this, this is a very, very personal game. When they figured out the mechanics of what they wanted to do, and they started telling a story, they're like, like, well, what if it's about being a teenager in the Pacific Northwest? Great, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you- they went for it. And and they created the era so well. Oh, yeah. Like the, like the wicker furniture, the, like, center space, like, in the living room where they have to drag a lamp in and there's, like, a wire running across the floor. Yeah. Uh, the bookshelves that are full of videotapes that they taped off of TV. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about you. Me, as a little kid... That was probably 80% of our tapes. Oh, absolutely. Um, you yeah. know, the ones that we had new were like Disney movies. Because uh, you got the shells with them, the really lovely uh, yeah. plastic with, shell. With the smell under the label. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> you've never... Okay, so just next time you're around one, open it up, you know, so that the label is sticking up a little and just, just take a little sniff underneath. I'm really scared to now, Brian. Why? What? I'm normal. <laughs> I'm I'm normal, god damn it. Th- I'm not weird. You're you're weird. You've I mean, killed it, people. Does it get you high, Brian? I mean, it, it might, I don't know. And look, uh can we add allegedly allegedly to the murder thing? I'd rather not. <laughs> You've killed people uh who have alleged things about you. Oh, okay. Because so, of the allegations. Oh, you murdered the, them for real. Alleg- convicted in a court look, of law. The only allegations against me are are the are the ones that I had at the mini golf course in Palm Beach, Florida, and those are allegatorations. This is this is actually how he murders people. No, I want to talk about tapes for a second. I still want oh, to go let, back yeah. to tapes. I'm okay. sorry. I'm just like just the, the, the vivid memories of this, and also as a Pacific Northwest memory because I was born in Nia Bay, Washington, which is uh, the Macaw Nation. It is at the very tip of the peninsula That's of right. Washington State. I've forgotten about this. Yes, we we got very little TV. Right, we just had an antenna, and the weather is always bad because it's Washington. Sure. Occasionally, we would get Canadian Parliament, 
<laughs> across the pond in, in BC or something. I don't know. So you uh, have like a very fundamental understanding of how Canadian Parliament works, Brian? Well, not me. I was an infant and not my parents either because I don't know. They just let it wash over them. I think they just had it on to have some static in the background. And literally, it was mostly static. And and then on the really good days, we could get some TV from Seattle, and we could watch Sunday Night Almost Live, which was a oh. Seattle-based sketch comedy show that not only started the career, the TV career of Bill Nye, but of Joel McHale as well. Really? Yep. Bill Nye, uh, it's it's great. I mean, you can go to YouTube. I guess I never tracked that he was he started in sketch? Yeah. Yeah, he was like a sketch and improv guy, and he already lived in Washington because he was a Boeing engineer. Fascinating. Uh, so I guess that's just how, and, and you know, we don't really have like these great local shows in other places, but Seattle had Almost Live. And he would, uh, he played a superhero in one sketch called Speedwalker, extremely 90s. <laughs> God, what a, what a time capsule. Like Seattle was kind of the center of the world and everyone was watching Twin Peaks and, you know. And Frasier? And Frasier. Yes. <laughs> People were watching Frasier, People Brian. were watching Frasier this is, for this 10 is a, years. Yeah. It's a very long running show. And Brian, they're going to watch him again. They're, they'll do it. They'll watch that crazy little Christian scientist until he's in the ground. Uh, well, I mean, as we all know, he's going to die fucking an alligator on the money plane. Yep. That's how Kelsey Grammer dies. I don't know how they're going to do that show without the dad. But um, so. Yeah, I mean, he was the fulcrum. <laughs> he's the only reason the show works. It doesn't matter. So um, a, a lot of the movies that we had were taped by my grandparents down in San Diego. Oh yeah. And they would also tape episodes of MASH, which is my parents' favorite TV show, and they would mail it up to us in the Bay so that we could watch Matt. So, like, we had big wooden bookshelves just full of Maxell or JVC home videotapes with, you know, TV versions of the Indiana Jones movies and whatever else with the commercials and everything. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that wasn't that unusual for people our age no, to have uh, when we were little kids. Oh, absolutely not. When I was growing up, uh, I, I did actually, I didn't see the entirety of The Wizard of Oz until... <laughs> I think I was 21 um, because my parents had recorded it. But for some reason, they, they had started recording it uh, in Oz. So oh, where I thought so the movie didn't began have any black was, and white stuff. No. Where wow. I thought the movie began was Dorothy walked out the door and she was in Oz. I, you know, I was four. It didn't matter. Like, you know, that's where movies start. And then uh, at the end of the film, uh, they stopped recording uh, when she clicked her three heels together. And that was the end of the movie. Like, he doesn't need to see this. No credits. Uh, my, mo my mom actually thought um, uh, she thought Margaret Hamilton would scare me too much. So yeah. she she purpose they purposely but not, cut that not part as out. the green fucking witch that's cackling no. and chasing her around. Uh, Brian, let me let me do a quick sidebar to tell a story about my mother. Yes, please. I recently told my parents to watch BoJack Horseman because it's one of my favorite shows of all time. And I think. Uh, they would really like it because they generally tend to yeah. like the same kind of comedy stuff that I do. And uh, they also really like the high cerebral kind of stuff that, you know, BoJack provides. Yeah. And, you know, I was just like, you know, the first season, it can be a little rough start. You know, the first couple episodes can be it takes a little while for them to find their voice. But then once they do, you know, it's off. It's off to the races, you know, a horse pun. off to the horse races. There it is. Thank you. Uh and she uh, and so they started watching it. And then I checked in with, in with them like maybe a week later. And I was like, so how are you enjoying Bojack? She's like, oh, we had to stop watching that show. And I was like, oh, well, mom, you know, it does get better. You know, I don't I don't mean to like pressure you. But like, why? Why did you stop watching the show? And she said, well, he was a horse. 
And I was like, what? She's like, well, he was a horseman. So how, I mean, who cares? So I think my mom has this delineation where like what things that are high fantastical can't affect me because they're not real. You know what I mean? But the Wizard of Oz first part seems real. And that would have scared me because that probably scared her. My parents were always so afraid of us getting nightmares from stuff. So there was so mm. much that my parents would bodlerize. Um, you know, our, our home video taped off of TNT copy of Raiders of the Lost Ark. They switched the channel, of course, for the face melting scene. Of course. Uh, and so, I mean, that's still traumatizing as so an adult. That, that tape to me growing up was <laughs> they open up the Ark. And then a Popeye cartoon starts playing for a few minutes. Because <laughs> they just switched the channel while it was recording. Wait, wait. When it, when it comes back. And so Popeye and just beats of... the shit out of Bluto. Uh, and then it like sort of briefly flashes back and you see the glasses dude head explode. And then it goes back to Popeye <laughs> real fast. There's actually some interesting points about those videotapes um, in yeah. Gone Home. Uh, in, if, in the commentary track again, if you... If you look at the VHS like really close up, the ones that are in like bold marker with like bigger strokes, those are dad's mm-hmm. movies. Uh, yeah. And the ones written in longhand are, uh, I believe, Katie's movies. So the yeah. X-Files ones are actually Katie's picks and not and Sam's picks, not necessarily yeah. uh, the dad's. But the dad movies they picked, Brian, are so good <laughs> and so on point. The Andromeda Strain. <laughs> is in that collection and my dad loves yeah. that movie <laughs> of course every dad loves that movie it's the perfect dad movie do you want to know why there's a problem it's a big problem and then a bunch of people work together and they solve that problem dad Man. movies always resolve around big insurmountable problems getting solved well and there's also a very good reason why dad greenbrier uh uh terrence yeah uh, would Name be terrence. attracted to big problems that get solved easily yeah. And he also writes about big problems that get solved easily. With uh well, until um, until his final book, right. The Accidental Human, where he fixes the biggest problem of all himself. Yeah. I I, um, I know I know that sounds like saccharine and sa- and sappy, but I I actually really love the dad arc. The, in this. the game is very clever in how it paces out each story. I mean, of course, it's I guess formulaic. It's just very well done. But you know, they introduce the character, they bring them down to the low point, and then they pull them back up at the end. Right for all of them. Um, and so for Dad, you have him just move to this house that he used to visit when he was a kid. Right. And has been a failed writer for like the last 10 or 15 years, like hasn't been able to get anything published in a really long time. Gone Home plays with a lot of like very weird, like like Mr. X as you go. Yeah. Uh, when when you enter into the house, you think this is a murder mystery and everyone is dead or uh, like something yeah, really bad like is in the air. Creaking attic. floorboards above you. There's thunder and lightning and heavy the lights rain flicker outside. on and off. Yeah, Pet. lots of heavy rain. Just a guy just shouting, Jason! 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 Well, that's, that's the because, genius on display. Well, I mean, you can't cage the cage. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Nicholas Cage uh, directs video games. He has a lot to say about robots and about Detroit. <laughs> Look, we gotta talk about Detroit. We, we gotta put robots in Detroit and then everyone's going to care about racism. Have you ever tried to half-bake a theory 
about racism. I have. Do not bother me with level design ideas when I'm sitting in the geode. How many fucking times do we have to go I over this? I want to find a piece of paper on the ground, and I want to lean down. I want to pick it up, and then I want to accidentally drop it and have to lean down, try and pick it up, and get dropped at that time. But the third time, I'm also going to drop it. Um, so it, there's very early on in Gone Home, you walk into the bathroom and you find that there is a magazine that says, you know, write like Stephen King. <laughs> uh, and that's sort of the first, uh, like little hint that maybe something weird's going on in this house. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's one fifteen in the morning. Where is everybody? Uh, why aren't they home? Every, all the lights are off. And, you know, there is a sort of terror about, it's, you know, this is the first time that Katie is exploring this house. Yeah. Right. Uh, the protagonist. But it's and also, you know, uh, it feels like a homecoming. It feels yeah. like she is going home, like actually reckoning it, with her past in a lot of ways. It starts with a voicemail that, or back then, a message that you leave your parents on the phone when you're at the airport. You say, right. I'm going to get home. Don't worry. You know, I ran out, you know, she doesn't say this, but it's because she ran out of money while she was in Europe. So she came home a little bit quicker than she expected. Right. Um, and you get to the front door and there is a note. So your sister, Sam, was there earlier today and maybe yeah. just left or right. just disappeared, I should and, say. And there's a couple of clues scattered throughout the game that is another misdirect um, that it could actually be a suicide note yeah. uh, in her room. Uh, there's a magazine by her bedside of Kurt Cobain, and then uh, on on her wall is the drowning Ophelia uh, painting. Yeah. So there there are a couple of things that lead you down that road, uh, but again, all a very uh, clever misdirect. I would say it's actually not a clever misdirect. It's oh. in, it's a 100% unintentional misdirect. Really, the creators not, not- had no idea when they were writing it that they were implying she committed suicide in any way and then started hearing from people who were talking about that as being like, oh, I was kind of expect, you know, like you start to, once you get to the attic, you're kind of expecting the worst. Yeah. Then they went back and played and they're like, oh yeah, holy shit. You could, t- <laughs> you could totally think that this, it's, it's one of the most perfect accidents that can be made. Right. But it is 100% uh, indeliberate. That, I mean, uh, but it's just like there's so many. And then, I mean, honestly, even the blood, the blood in the bathtub, you yeah. know, with the hair dye misdirect. Yeah. Like you're just like, yeah. I, I, I think I think the audio log coming in immediately there and being like, yeah. you know, it's so intimate touching someone's scalp. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, oh, wow, it, it is very intimate. And, like, touching someone's and, yeah, scalp. and you, you come in the thing about the horror thing. You come into the house. You see the answering machine. You're like, oh, I'll walk up to that because you're probably just going to hear your own message. And then you hear these two really distressing like someone who has maybe just been crying and is yeah, like back to back and yeah it's like kind of broken up not much is said and it's like oh shit is really bad what is happening here just a shout out to the voice actor uh for Sam who i think almost single-handedly carries the entire game uh on her shoulders Sarah Grayson it is remarkable how after six playthroughs of this game how lines like i think she could tell after lonnie and sam hug also um i don't think you can uh in what i think is uh the best audio log in the whole thing and uh in the commentary sarah grayson says it's also her favorite one dedication uh which you find in the hallway near the end of the game right before you go into the greenhouse yeah sarah grayson does fabulous work all the way through the little hints of, of other voice work is all spot on. The great attention to detail where they have all of these one-off characters 
and then the main characters. Each one has to be written by other, literally, like their handwriting has to be done by a different person. In a game that is this focused, it is really the details and stuff that matter. Yeah. Like one of their big obsessions was uh, making sure that every light source in the house had a corresponding plug yeah and wire leading to yeah. that plug and so it's it's yeah it's easy to come into this game and just sort of think of it as like an early walking simulator which it is but really where it shines is just getting all of these little tiny details in there it, it's just trying to be very grounded and naturalistic the fact that right. it's a walking simulator just comes from the fact that they wanted to make a game about discovery and nothing else. Yeah, and exploration. It's like, what if a game was just audio like, logs? You know, so before this, we had Dear Esther, which started as a mod in the Half-Life 2 engine, and then years later got a full commercial release. I think, I think the mod was like 2008. And of course, there's a lot of mods out there where it is more linear. You just kind of walk around and talk to people, and then that's how the story gets told. And it's, it's, sure. it's good. People like it. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's, it's a fun and perfectly valid yeah. way of interacting with me. And, and Dear Esther comes out in 2012. That's also the interesting thing. It's like a lot of people are working on this idea at the same time. It's not like one starts and then people get the idea and make their own walking simulators. Right. So, it was there was just something in the air that yeah. was bringing everything together. Yeah. yeah. So like it was easier to get distribution on a very small game, you know, and just people with a desire to tell something in a very minimal way. You can have an RPG maker type game like uh, To the Moon. You can have a Dear Esther type game where it's just like on home where it's first person and you're walking around and you have some narration and some ghosts. I mean, it, Dear Esther is, has less interaction. You just walk around oh, much, um, much less, and yeah. see things. Um, and then earlier in the, the year that Gone Home came out, that's when Proteus comes out, which is the most minimal of all the walking simulators where yeah. it just plants you on an island and that's it. You just walk around. You just walk around. I've never played Proteus, but from all everything I've heard about it, it is just like, well, that's a tree. Yeah. Sure is a tree. It's a nice little thing. And, you know, like yeah. Flower and Journey, which, of course, have goals and have things for you to go to. Yeah. Those are also coming out around this time. They're bigger. They have larger budgets, but they're still uh, minimal in their presentation and in what they want to, to do and what they want to tell you. So all of these things are sort of coming up together and... Uh, the inspirations for Gone Home, I think, are very interesting and varied. Uh, one of the big ones being, uh, and Brian, I'll I'll seed, I think, a lot of this to you because you yeah. you are an expert in the field. But uh, uh, the immersive theater scene in New York uh, was yeah. was a huge inspiration, and particularly Sleep No More, uh, which is a punch drunk show uh, that debuted in 2011 uh, and is still running to this day obviously not because of the pandemic but it's it's coming back yeah i mean of, of course it will i mean there are so many dancers in the city whose bodies they still need to break <laughs> uh yeah so sleep no more uh comes from a british group called punch drunk theater they they made a bunch of stuff in the uk and somewhere along the way they got a deal to come to the u.s and they started working on sleep no more in boston used a ton of unpaid labor <clears throat> and then leonardo dicaprio like helped them find a space in Chelsea and they built this five-story walk-through immersive show that runs through the plot of Macbeth and yes. uh, not really the book so much but the, the Alfred Hitchcock movie Rebecca Yes. Although the murder actually does happen in it, which the Alfred Hitchcock movie, he's like, oh, and then she tripped and died. 
I didn't want to kill Rebecca, but she had a gun pointed at my face, and then she fell right, right there. It, it, it killed her, and then I, I dumped her body in the water. Anyway, um, <laughs> now will you help me, my current wife? <laughs> it, so it, it interweaves these stories. It kind of has this film noir thing going on. There's lots of nudity and blood, and the story cycles three times. So yeah. you can you kind of see a thread and then you can follow it the next time around as the story loops. And each and um, each one of those loops is about an hour long. Uh, yes. And yeah. contained within that hour are like 19 binders worth of like scripts. And and you can see the Bioshock influence. You can open any drawer you want. And, and there's it, lots of notes. And those notes were provided by, again, unpaid labor. And mm -hmm. sometimes they're not as good at restocking, but there's there's lots of other story that you can come across. I mean, good luck reading them because that is one of the darkest shows in history. Yeah, you, you really got shit. You really got to save them for later. Those are think those are things you, yeah. you nick for the McKittrick. Um, yeah, I guess that's the smart way to do it. I never stole anything, but like, yeah, you want to watch the the dancers. You don't want to watch. You don't want to just sit there reading a note. Some people do. Some people, that's all they want to go there for. Yeah. Sleep No More is one of those really smart moments in immersive theater where they actually take from video games, which is not as common as it should be. Yeah, I get that. That's a big question I have, Brian. Like how yeah. I, I feel like uh, whenever I go to immersive theater, it doesn't. It feels very much like playing Gone Home. Like I feel. Yeah. Yeah, similarly, the, the good that. ones. Yeah, especially with the masks. In right. Sleep no so more. in Sleep No More, you also wear a mask to sort of anonymize yourself, and it really helps you separate out like who's the audience and who's the actor uh, in that space, especially because it's so dark. Gone Home specifically has had a massive impact on the immersive theater world. There are a lot of people who design, ba who basically just want to do Gone Home. Um, yeah. Which just by nature of doing it in a different medium makes it a different thing. So the the most famous example, uh, it's exceptionally well done from everything I've heard. It had a sold out run in uh, twenty when was that seventeen, mm -hmm. uh, and it started having another sold out run right before COVID hit, and it's starting up again. Um, and it's it's pretty safe because it's only one or two people come in at a time. It's called the Nest. It was designed by a bunch of ex Imagineers. Oh wow! <laughs> and yeah, it, they it was like in a shed in someone's backyard for the initial run. Um, now I think it's in a larger space, and they've kind of expanded it. The original version is what I know, uh, hmm. where you are sort of working with a lawyer to help execute this old dead lady's estate. Um, oh, interesting. And instead of it being you know, because that that could go in like the woman in black territory, but instead oh. it's um it's 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 gone home. It's gone home. It's just it, you're doing gone home. You go into right. this this shed. Uh, there's all this shit lying around. Uh, you find a cassette tape. You put the cassette tape in a tape player. You have a, a phone. Like if you need help um, oh. or whatever, there's like the lawyer talking to you. You have a flashlight, and the flashlight is remote controlled so it can start to flicker out sometimes oh interesting and leave you in the dark and so you hear the tapes and you start to hear about this old woman's life um and then usually the tape or whatever you found the tape in has the code or the clue to the next thing that you open right just right. like on home where all you do is you find the number you put in the number you find the key you put the key in the lock you find the secret you know, compartment yeah it's, it's very deliberately not something that you solve not th something that you compete against and not something that you fail so you find every single point and and yeah people love it it's in california so i i haven't i hadn't had a chance to to see it when it was running cuz i was doing my own immersive show that wasn't anywhere near as good um, I hope I can I can catch this run at some point. Yeah, well, it is fascinating that that Gone Home was initially inspired by, uh, 
Sleep No More by Immersive Theater, which was itself originally inspired by Bioshock, uh, which is sort of the (laughs) progenitor of all of this, because that would Bioshock, Sleep No More, and then Sleep No More led to Gone Home, and then Gone Home has now led to The Nest and a lot of other immersive shows. So it really does seem like the like immersive theater and video games are, are in like constant conversation and have yeah. been for like the past 10 years and will only continue to do so i think yeah. going forward and i think anyone uh, yeah this this might make some enemies i don't know anyone who makes immersive theater and doesn't play video games is a dunce like you are you are <laughs> intentionally this is for all you immersive theater makers listening to my podcast right now if you like you are shutting yourself off from learning basic things that other people have learned ages ago using a very similar medium Um, and it goes the same way I think if you make video games you should also check out immersive theater and you Please might do. actually you... discover experiential uh, possibilities that you didn't think of uh, from your your desk. If you're if you're also if you're working in video games, you probably have money, and immersive theater desperately needs it. Yes. So please, oh, please, God. Uh, I would like to also uh, just briefly before we go to our first commercial, I would like to uh, speak about one other influence uh, on Gone Home, uh, and that is the Royal House uh, in Japan. It's an abandoned house in the middle of the woods. I actually ca- couldn't find a an address for exactly where this is but uh it's in an overgrown forest the way i i came across it was uh that it was cited as an inspiration for gone home there's a a blog spot uh by this guy named jordy meow uh who is a french photographer who's based in tokyo and he uh documented this house and what's so fascinating about it is that it looks like it's been abandoned for about 10 years but it is a modern house it was built in like the 1930s and is oh, okay. filled with just bric-a-brac and like photos and pictures mm. and like uh, specifically family photos. And while exploring the house, um, all these mysteries started cropping up. There seemed to be a white man that was included in every single photo that he uh, got to calling the foreigner uh, in it. And like a white man. Like a not white like man. A, not like a ghostly apparition. Oh, no, not a ghostly apparition. Okay. Uh, like an actual photograph of like this white guy. Um, but there were a also cracker. like- Old family photos of like people meeting the Queen of England uh, oh, were also wow. there, and there were like all these like huge question marks started popping up. Like, who are these people? And there was a room that he couldn't get into that was locked uh, from the outside. That everyone was speculating, you know, that's like a murder room or something, and it sort of exploded um, in this blogosphere. Uh, turns out the locked door uh, was a bathroom. Uh, and the house is now <laughs> rotted to the point where you can't even get to the second floor anymore. Yeah. Uh, but it's oh, fascinating looking at all these photos of the royal house and how it really does look like Gone Home. Like it, the same like sort of sparks that activate in your head when you're looking yeah. at like old family photos of the Greenbriars are also here. Yeah. And like how much a single photograph can contain like the mysteries of this whole family's legacy. And it's so cool that there's this sort of like primal instinct to want to explore in the way that they figured out when that woman uh, said, you know, I'd learned my lesson about turning off lights. Like we as humans desperately want to explore these homes and you don't need guns and explosions or, you know, like rip dudes committing war crimes in order to Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with war crimes, uh, Brian Alford. Uh, Put it on my tombstone. Just that you don't need any of that stuff in order to make a good game. But as it turns out, and we will find out after this commercial break, 
Some people really need that stuff. Listeners, do you like Florida? Do you like the smell of sizzling asphalt? Do you like golf but wish it were smaller? Then come on down to Harry Habsburg's Hole in Fun Mini Golf Course and Gun Depot, located in scenic Palm Beach, Florida. Harry Hapsburg's Hole in Fun Mini Golf Course and Gun Depot, or H-H-H-I-F-M-G-C-G-D, has a little something for the whole family. Thrill at our newly installed water fountain, which dribbles the finest Florida water, sometimes into your mouth. And our single lone umbrella. Perfect for avoiding the sun, which is actively trying to kill you. Get a hole-in-one on our newest attraction, the COVID dead manatees, and receive a 25% discount on our famous sea cow burger. Made with real meat, the origins of which we are not legally allowed to disclose. So slather on that sunblock to protect you from the, I cannot stress this enough, homicidal gas giant we call our son. And come on down to Harry Habsburg's Hole in Fun Mini Golf Course and Gun Depot. Habsburg's Hole in Fun Mini Golf Course and Gun Depot. We put the gun in Hole in Gun. Harry Hapsburg told Funny Gulfport's Gun Depot's subsidiary of Hapsburg's Eclectic Legal Potables Incorporated all rights reserved. Remember FDIC, you are the sun. Hey, hey, AJ. Yeah? Have you ever listened to a commercial? Yes. That's cool. So did I. <laughs> I'm going to record the second half right, right in here. The whole, the whole thing. Yeah. And we're back. Yep. Before we get into discussions about the, the backlash to this game, I think uh, it would be good for us to say why this game is great, because it is. It goes, it goes so much deeper, I think, than most games of this ilk and type. Like, if you really want to get into it, you know, it, there's, like, the nitty-gritty of stuff like invoices uh, for, like, electrical things that you could really, yeah. like, get into the weeds on. But uh, every single character in the game has a complete, beautiful arc. Um, you know, the uh, the mom has to learn to deal with her horny friend, Carol, uh, <laughs> who, who desperately wants... <laughs> The mom to commit adultery. She uh, really wants, like, that's all she's got. Like, it's all she she's just got. needs someone she knows to have sex. Not her. Uh, she's not, just like, it's just not going to happen for her. Like, she, she's, mm-hmm. she's over it now at this point. Like, it, she's resigned to the rest of her life. But she needs somebody else to get down, <laughs> get and, down, and real filthy. And it's so, it's so, like, even the insight into Carol's life, a character that is outside the Greenbrier family, and for, right. all, for all the services, we should not care about, but I, I find myself caring about her, because she's just like, you know, oh, you know, it's sad that Terrence is going through all these, like, low moments right now, but, you know, that's just how marriage works. Some days right. you'll be fine, and then there'll be long, long stretches where you're not, and you're like, oh, Carol, oh, Carol, someone needs to introduce you to Ranger Rick. 
Yeah. Take you to an well, Earth, Wind, and, and Fire yeah. concert and rock your fucking world. <laughs> well, and that's that's the other thing is like th- this family is going through a lot right now. Um, you know, it's like his, every his major issues, crisis is happening at the same time. Right. It's like, well, they're moving, and you know that their daughter has to change schools. They're a very religious family, and right, they're not handling well that their daughter is gay. And then their older right. daughter is just in Europe somewhere, and the only communication they really have with her is the occasional postcard or maybe a phone call from a payphone or something. But right, and you know, all the all the postcards are like, "I'm having the time of my life." Meanwhile, the family yeah. is imploding slowly in on itself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and Sam, the the sister, everyone just refers to the house that she lives in as the psycho house, right? Because the man living there was mentally unwell deeply. She kind of has a connection with their old childhood friend who she doesn't really like, but he has a super Nintendo. Um, this last playthrough, <laughs> funnily enough, uh, I usually don't track Daniel as like a, yeah. as like a, as an arc. Daniel gets thing. a whole thing. Yeah. I zoomed in like wholly on Daniel and there are a lot of references to him. Um, I yeah. think it's so sad that Sam's like, you know, he's like a default friend. He, he yeah. grew up next door to me. I don't really care about him. And poor Daniel. It's very clear that Sam was the yeah. only thing Daniel has going he's like, for yeah, him. I'll, I'll bring the Nintendo over here. Yeah, I'll leave it with you too. Yeah, I just, you know, because then we can hang out again because I'll have to come back and get it. Yeah, but then like when, she, when he comes over in that wonderful scene after everything has sort of fallen apart with Lonnie and Sam, are sit- Sam and Daniel are sitting at the table and she's just like I'm just so sad we're not friends anymore and Daniel just holds her and says everything's gonna be alright like Daniel's a good dude man like Daniel seems to have yeah. really grown into himself like he's a weirdo yeah. but like poor thing <laughs> the game doesn't poor. take a, a, a simple melodramatic route mm-hmm. to this you know it, it lets the characters be complex it lets them be kind of assholes to oh, certain yeah. people and I mean, the experience of, of being gay is mostly pretty true to the 90s. It, the only unrealistic thing is that she actually has a girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> Who, yeah. Who's in the ROTC, which is another big like, they, thing. you know, they play Street Fighter together. She came up with this whole thing because because Lonnie would play Street Fighter at the 7-Eleven. So she's like, oh, I have a Nintendo at home. stole from my friend. She got from Daniel, who was just desperate to hang out <laughs> with her again. And she she like has this hidden note where she figured out all of Chun Li's yep, trying to show up for her girlfriend. You know, and it's... then, you know, Sam, someone spray paints dyke on her right. locker door. And so then Lonnie just goes, yeah, fuck it. I'll just spray it on my door, too. And then Lonnie gets the yeah, boot. A very dangerous move. Also, if you're in the ROTC to do that, like, you know, yeah. Well, and Lonnie yeah. is allowed to be messy. I think there, there's there's an audio diary that's yeah. all about yeah. how I just don't get Lonnie. And I don't think that Lonnie gets Lonnie. And it's like, well, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, no one gets themselves when they're a teenager. It's it's flailing in the dark. Well, and also this family, the Greenbriars, they don't get themselves oh, no. at all. Jan is trying so desperately to save her marriage. Uh, there's this great thing where you see a weekly planner yeah. and it's like couples bowling, tango yeah. lessons and cooking class. You know, it's like Monday, Wednesday, Friday for these three things. And it's, you know, multiple weeks down and the bowling and the tango classes all get crossed out and it's just cooking class. That's all she has now. And then there's one day where it's like today I'm cooking for the whole family. Yeah. And then that's the day that. Sam is like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with Lonnie. <laughs> I didn't even make that. I've never made that connection. And she's handling this huge project. You're right. She's doing a controlled burn right. in Oregon. Controlled burns uh, 
you have to control fire. Right. It's not easy. It's this a is lot a prequel of work. to Firewatch. Um, not a lot of people know that. <laughs> And Firewatch, of course, also owes quite a bit right. to this game and decides, hey, you know how Gone Home gets sad and then finds some yep. happy things? What if we just skipped that last part? <laughs> what if we started what if we started insurmountably bleak yep. and then just got worse? It sounds it's it sounds like the worst of all possible worlds. Uh, so, um, a lot of the, the marital, yeah. like, stresses that seem to be afflicting this family, uh, is that, like, Terrence has completely retreated into himself, and of course he would. He's in the house where he was molested yeah. as a child. Um, yeah, well, so, you know, this is an interesting thing. You can play through this game and, and not, not, I mean, you could play through this game and not find anything. Uh, the the game is not about how to get to the end. It's about just w- right. what you Again, read. you could beat the game. It's not what you do along the way. It's yeah, about what it's you also, read. It's also <laughs> it also could be beaten in a minute. Uh, so like you know, there's not you know, yeah. it's not about winning. Um, but there is there is a part that's kind of designed so that you could sort of forget about it once you get in the groove of getting to yeah. the very end. It's right. It's in the basement section. Um, and it's like okay, so we got to go down, and then we're yeah. like we're almost in there. And the the password to that safe is a little tricky either you find the secret door to your character's Mm -hmm. bedroom and then find it in a note that's kind of tucked under where that secret door was or you realize that the height marks on the wall are important and you put that code into the safe down right and it's also you can also guess it uh based on the novels too um if you're just like thinking about like years that are important like four four number combinations uh since the kennedy assassination was 1963 and that happened to coincide uh with the event uh that that leads to it um and so i guess it's time we talk about uncle oscar uh, the 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 ghost yeah. that is haunting the house and who by all accounts seems to be like a deeply repentant monster. Yeah. Well, I mean he's he's also clearly very ill in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. He's, he has a lot of painkillers um, in that safe that you're able to open. He was a pharmacist who at some point retreats away from everything, takes care of mm-hmm. his mother. Um, his sister goes on to have kids and then you know her son ends up being your character's dad he you know he has like newspapers all collected in the basement this house was probably a much bigger mess before you showed up i mean the kitchen had to be completely Um, renovated because it was all um old-timey stuff like it was like filthy and you know he was hoarding uh there's a weird sort of back passage in the house where he has this homemade cross that he's sort of like pinned together and wrote uh, the beginning of John three sixteen on there. Yeah, and if you stare at it too long, the light above you explodes. And if you look at the walls, they're also lined with all of these advertisements, and a lot of them are um, for children's clothing. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> Holy shit! Oof. And uh, and so once you get to the safe, once you figure out how to open the safe, there's a long hallway in a dark room with a broken light that you can't see anything in, and you open it up. And you find a letter from 1973 that's written to your grandmother from your, your great uncle. And it's his last letter to her. And it comes back to him unsent. That's why yeah. it's in the house. Um, it, it, it Like an undeliverable because she's not at that right. address anymore. And uh, so this, this old letter, through it, just simple implication and through looking at the height marks on the wall that they stopped visiting after 1963... 
um, makes it pretty clear that he crossed the lines of propriety in some way or yeah. another. Well, I mean, the thing um, you didn't talk about in the closet is that there's also a toy in there. Yeah, it's a dark room for like lumber or something or firewood at the end of the hallway. And there's just a little like yeah. toy horse. And and the light won't turn on. And, you know, we talked earlier yeah. about how just putting this immense faith in the player and trust in the player, all they had to tell you, yeah. all they had to give you was a dark closet, a broke, a purposefully yeah. broken light, and a toy horse, an old toy horse in the corner. Yeah. And you fill in all the blanks yourself. And if you look at the other letters... Uh, you know, there's a there's a letter that he sends your father in 1972, right after he gets married. That's like congratulations on your marriage. Not much yeah. more than that. At that point, when you read it, that's early in the game. It's like okay, here's just a note from the weird, shut-in relative I don't right. know anything about. Uh, and then in '73, he writes up his will, which is in a filing cabinet, um, that wills the house to yes. your parents. Um, which is also when he writes the final letter to your grandmother. Right. Um, the And the height markings, they show the last time your dad was at that house was November of 1963. Thanksgiving, just a few days after John F. Kennedy was shot. Right. And your dad writes science fiction stories about someone who's constantly traveling back to 1963 to stop the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. It's very clearly him tra- grappling with that, with that trauma. Yeah. Most of the, most of the times that I like, I tear up or like get very emotional playing gone home um, are mostly with the audio logs. That's something that really uh, obviously yeah. sticks in my heart. But the one moment that I cry just looking at a, an item is when you find yeah. his crumpled up manuscript of the accidental human in a garbage can and written across in red ink in what you assume to be Jan, the mom's handwriting is don't give up on this. You know, it, it's, it's that one moment that le- that makes me buy that at the end, they're going to go to couples counseling and they're going to like try and they're actually going to yeah. like make it out of this. Okay. Um, instead of yeah. taking their anniversary weekend, you find a little pamphlet for a couples counseling retreat that they're going to go and they're going to like really try and make it through. Cause I don't think it's a thing he's ever yeah. been able to articulate what happened and why He's so fixing. No, and and he might not. He might not ever actually yeah. articulate it. It's it doesn't necessarily seem like something that has completely overwhelmed his life. And sometimes it, you know, it doesn't. Sometimes it does. Right. Sometimes it doesn't. And in his case, you know, he's gotten married. He's had kids, and he even had enough sense of self or or repression of it to just say, okay, yeah, we will move. Or maybe into this it was house. like an immersion therapy idea. Like it was just like, I'm going to go back and face this and then like overcome it that way, which is even, yeah. And then obviously the opposite turned out to be true. Yeah. And then Jan is able to, after the control burn, she gets a job there. Um, she doesn't have to do the big long commute. <laughs> of course they've also, their youngest daughter has, has left. Yeah. She's gone. She ran away from home and she's yeah. not coming back. And they took the VCR with them. And so it, it, <laughs> I think they took two yeah. VCRs with well, them. Well, you want to know you want to know why that is? There is there is actually a design reason uh, uh, based on that. They didn't want to design a VCR. Well, they couldn't get the rights to the X Files season one because it would have been way too expensive. Oh, so um, all yeah. the video, all the um, 
the VHSs are in a clump. There's never a VHS just by itself. Yeah. So you can't ever be tempted to pick it up because they knew if you picked right. it up, you'd want to put it in something. Um, of course. And so of they were course. like, and so the reason the VCRs are gone and the end of the story is the way it is is because they were like, okay, we have to have a dramaturgical reason why there aren't any VCRs in this house. <laughs> we're hawking the Sanyos and we're getting to Central California. I hear those, uh, I hear those VCRs hot California way. <laughs> Oh, we have to talk about Christmas duck. Chris, Christmas duck is a very cool prop. A Christmas duck is the best thing, and you can bring him home. You you can you can bring him to his little nest in the attic, and when you do, there's a little prompt that says, "There you go, Christmas duck." Well, and the the prompts are great because that's the only time you really get uh, Katie's character at all. Um, oh yeah, like um, the player you are playing as you you can I guess read um, item the, descriptions in the inventory. Yeah, and but, like the postcards here and there. Uh, yeah, so good. like when you discover your dad's porn, it just says, gosh, dad. <laughs> Instead of saying the name of the object you can pick up, which is usually what it is, it's just like pencil, cup, note, yeah. pick up note, put I back. believe it's Gentleman it's Magazine like, is the name of the magazine. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, when you find that same, uh, a, a different issue of the same magazine in your sister's room, it just says, gosh, Sam. <laughs> and then you can, you know, you're rifling through the the drawers of your your parents bedroom and so you can find a condom in there you can indeed it says barf when you pick it when you look <laughs> yes. at it and then when you pick it up and put it back down she says there's nothing i don't hate right now. i also have to point out when we're talking about environmental jokes uh the publishing house god you, you just can't go in an episode without doing a star trek reference can you fuck you <laughs> fuck you i didn't make the reference the publishing house on it is Harcourt Fenton Books, which is a reference to a classic Star Trek character, Harcourt Fenton Mudd, who uh, has yep. uh, his his own lesbian love story to unfold in the Star Trek series, except that he is a, a man who loves women and is therefore just a straight guy. But it's a I type also, of lesbian, uh, though, you know, straight guys. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Keeping it in. Fuck you. The the other the other great TV show reference is the cigarettes in Sam's room, which are Morley cigarettes. Now Morley cigarettes, uh, that's a brand that you will see in a bunch of TV shows. It's like the, it used to be sort of the go-to. Like you know, some production designer somewhere just wrote up a, a logo and that became Morley cigarettes. But if you've ever watched the X Files, that's the only thing you will ever associate them with. Because the cigarette smoking oh, man is always smoking Morley's. Um, and they make a point oh. of actually saying the name and, and all of that. So Morley, of course, becomes a, a big icon in X-Files lore. And, uh, I mean, the house is littered with X-Files yeah. stuff. Because then, you know, start teasing maybe there's aliens involved. Um, and also just because and, Gillian Anderson is important to a lot of people's gay awakening. Well, speaking of gay awakenings, there is one particular person who has said that Gone Home uh, reflected their coming out story and their coming of age story better than most. And that person is Zoe Quinn, mm. which I think is a very good way to yeah. segue uh, into... The reaction against Gone Home, yeah. or I wouldn't say it's against Gone Home itself, but Gone Home got kind of swept up into the whole tidal wave of gamer. And to be honest, Gone Home only kind of got swept up into it. They they yeah. didn't. I don't think they really ever suffered a whole lot. It's it's a little bit more of just like a baseline virtue signal. If you're like one of the Gamergate losers, 
Like you just bring yes. up Gone Home because of its agenda. And let, let's be let us be clear, they are losers. Just sad little weirdos that I have no sympathy for whatsoever who decided that they were going to go on a crusade. I don't think we have to go into a big discussion of like what Gamergate was because that'll be its own no. thing. I kind of like this sort of non-linear yeah. exploration through reaction in the video game world. But, you know, Gone Home, when it came out, people genuinely liked it. Lots of critics. It sold incredibly well. Yeah, uh, much better than I think Fulbright was ever anticipating. Yeah. Uh, there are other walking simulators from the time that also got quite a bit of press that I was looking at and there was like oh no this doesn't have anywhere near as much you know like reviews for Gone Home on Steam are mostly positive it's like 11,000 reviews um, yeah and I, you know I looked at like That Dragon Cancer that's another one that came out around the same time oh yeah it's also God, just a walking simulator game ripped out my heart it has about a tenth of the reviews right same sort of level of positivity yep. and I remember seeing a lot of press for that as well. Yeah, I play I played that Dragon Cancer and it's it's a hard play, man. And of course Gone Home is well liked by Kotaku and well liked by Polygon and I, I guess which it got game of the year in And of course there's just like people are like, "Oh no, not Polygon. I hate Polygon so much. They they talk about bad game and say it's good game when I like other good game that they say is not better than bad game. I don't like no Polygon. No. Monarch, get out of here. <laughs> that is not the Come on. That's it's it's close. It's it's not. Yeah, it's the same he's, place. He's like he he gets a lot higher anyway. Um, <laughs> but they they just they uh, they they're they're just so stupid. I've been just sitting and uh, gargling down all of this swill that they put out. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. Gone Home has never been like a major flashpoint, like say Depression Quest or yeah. um even night in the woods a little bit later on uh or like the star wars the last jedi or captain marvel or whatever thing they obsessed no one really seemed to obsess about gone home it was always like well and then also gone home you know and they yeah. love to come up with all of these idiotic complaints about it. They're like you can speed run it in 47 seconds and it's like it's a speed run <laughs> you yeah, also don't like, like actually see anything like that's it's just not you can beat ocarina of time in like what 12 minutes <laughs> right like it, it doesn't mean anything yeah it's two hours long it's three hours long they're like it's too expensive for what it is and it's like well who cares just don't buy it and also two no one buys it at full price right this is the pc gaming industry everyone gets it as part of a bundle or it's like two dollars right. or it's like free from epic game store or like playstation plus or something like that like this is not a game that anyone purchases at full price. Uh, some people right. do. Right, and even if you do, and, like, and even if you do, it's worth the price of yeah, admission, it's, I say. Uh, people, like I said, people like it. People liked it at launch. They've given it away for free on multiple occasions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there's, but um, the gamer, TM, is a person who only <laughs> understands things through the lens of consumption. Do you own the trademark to the game? <laughs> no, I wish. Because then I would kill people with it. That's what you can do with trademarks. They let you kill people. Uh, Mickey Mouse has a lot of blood yep, on his hands. That's why 007 is trademarked. It's his license to kill. Oh, that was really good. No, it wasn't, but I thank no. you. Yeah. I, I thought it was really good. <laughs> but uh, but I guess that's why we're doing this gamers, podcast together. The gamers TM 
can only analyze things through the lens of being a consumer in the market. They can't even look at things like with like actual market logic because again, they have no leg to stand on with gone home because it did very well in the market. Um, right. <laughs> like, uh, but like, you, you can see that their problem is not the fact that it's a walking simulator, that it has no fail state, that it has no puzzles, that you can speed run it in 40 seconds. Because you could say a lot of that, maybe not the speed run part because of the way it works, but you can say a lot of that about right. that dragon cancer, right? And people have yeah. issues with that dragon cancer because it gets very Christian at the end and people feel yeah. like it's proselytizing to them. And uh, well, to be honest, it is. That's That's the goal of the makers of that game. They want people to become Christians because it helped them so much. And they think that there is right. something larger to that. And it's fine if you feel offended by that, too. Like, I get it. Sure. But no one got mad about that dragon cancer. Like, there was not a movement to go after this game that came out at the same time or, or you know, within a, like a year or two. It had a, a mm-hmm. bunch of praise. Maybe it didn't end up on some best of list, but I, I am sure it did because I remember just reading a lot of people's reactions to it. And right. it's... There's no gay. That's it. The thing yeah. that they they see the gay, they go, what? What did? Why you do the? Why the gay sit? Why is that there? Why are you doing? Get out of here, Adam Sandler. Why are you? Why? Go back to Bioshock Two. Go fight John Stewart. Why Stewart's the lady door. touch another lady? and likes the lady and kiss her. What? What do? No, 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 no! You're ruining. You're ruining my my. I just want to step. I want to jump on a Mario. Shoot a gun at Mario. Please. Stop. You're hurt. Stop. I feel like I. I feel like I'm in hell. Uh, <laughs> That's what it's like watching these fucking videos. One one video, this yeah. person was like, you start with this absolutely dog shit name, Caitlin Greenbrier. Like, <laughs> what is that fucking mean? cares that her last name is Greenbrier? That's what you're mad about? They love to bring up the speed run thing, which is insipid. It's just so imbecilic. Uh, and it no, always... Well, I, I, think, I think it's very interesting because it comes back to what you were saying about... Uh, putting toy uh video games in toy stores and Mm. specifically putting them into uh, the boy section the gendering of video games sort of from their inception how this one marketing move has led to such horrific toxicity nintendo causes societal illness with this one weird trick genders that's that's the that's the clickbait (laughs) article for for this podcast but no just the idea that like uh, the idea that like th- that this is made specifically for boys and specifically for boys of, for, at a certain age range has led to a yeah. lot of repetition yeah. of the same stories being told over and over and over again. And playing God Home was such a revelation because it revealed a world to me that it once felt very familiar and was also very distant. Yeah. Uh, I did not grow up as a gay girl in the yeah. 90s. So I, I there's a lot of points of reference that I don't really have, especially um, with the soundtrack for this one. Uh, I had no th- idea what any of those bands were. I didn't me either. Uh, I didn't know that that was all real existing music from the era. I thought they had written all of that for the game. That's that I honestly I, didn't have a single clue the first time I played. I was I was I was so sad that I had not encountered this music before because it slaps yeah. so hard it, and it's such a great part of the game. It's a good era and a good region for music, you know. There was such a an incredible oh, rebellion yeah that didn't know how to exert itself but was you know god damn it gonna fucking do it anyway 
which in a way Gamergate kind of is that too. They don't know what they're pointed at, but they're going to point at something. And unfortunately, instead of getting it out like in a group of people and like building a community, all they did was yeah. decide that no, girl can't, she can't kiss the another girl. I can't do it. Why they put the zombies in my lesbians? They, I want it's, the zombies, it, not, not the lesbians. And none of these people, none of these people, I, I feel, played the game. No, well, of course not. No, they thing. watched videos and then they complained about how it's $30, even though they all have gotten three copies of it through Humble Bundles. And they try to get mad about that, too. They're like, oh, it's like, it sticks to these Humble Bundles like a parasite. It's like, it's not a parasite, it's a symbiote. You spent $5 for just one of those games anyway, then you got Six other games. Yeah. One of them was Gone Home, which is a, which is a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, and you so, you don't you want know, to play it because you're just a sad little virgin, and you're just sad that a fictional video game girl is getting more pussy than you. Uh, and it, they, yeah. you know, they they rehashed all of this for The Last of Us Two. But we don't stick around on the note long enough to know how far they've gotten. Yeah. But yes, it is heavily implied that they they are actively sexual in yeah. their relationship. Um, uh, the, what I did this time when I read the note was I just read the bottom part. It's just like here are the places that we can yeah. that, that would cause the least amount of problems: the car and stuff. And honestly, uh, just recalling my my teenage years of having a car, like I was just like, oh man. Those logistics really hit home because, like, yeah, where are you gonna go? You gotta. I drive a Nissan Sentra. There's no room. There's no room. Needed to join the Subaru gang, buddy. Uh, My mom will never listen to this podcast. Is what I'm realizing. She can't. She's gonna know too much about about my Nissan Sentra, and text. she's also going to know what happened in the Nissan. AJ, I am liberated now, mom. I played Gone Home. I got that he wasn't just a horse. Okay, there were other reasons not to like your show, especially in season one. Yeah, no, I'd like to read a quote if I could yeah. from when St- uh, when Steve uh, Gaynor gave his speech yeah. at uh, the GDC conference. Why is Gone Home a game? Which is great if you have the chance, watch it. He opens the show by saying, uh, "I would like to sh- for those of you who have not played Gone Home, I would like to show a trailer for you uh, now." And he plays a trailer, and it says, "This summer." <laughs> Katie Greenbrier goes home and then the house explodes <laughs> and and like this this like hardcore like uh guitar starts playing uh and it's like and then it just says gun home and it's just footage of gone home but they put doom over it oh, so you're man. like kicking down doors into rooms and shooting like demons as they're coming oh for you God. but it's just the assets from gone home he like comes back after he's like just so everyone knows that's actually not what the game is at all uh and it's it's very endearing the original build of Gone Home was done in Amnesia. And you can tell, actually, from those early screenshots, yeah. it's very dark and very Amnesia's bleak. Amnesia's like, devs, horrifying. Uh, as a rule, like, they made their engine for one game. They do not let anyone else use it for, you know, they'll, they'll let people mod or whatever. They don't have a problem with that. But they don't have, like, documentation. Right. They don't want to support it. You know, that's 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 a whole industry on its own, is, like, making an engine that's worth using for other games. Right. So they've gotten a lot of people to send emails to them and they always just reply with no try unity <laughs> you know and uh oh yeah so gone home was one oh, of them geez. he actually uh, you can play it now you can play the original build of the house there's not really anything in it but you can just put it into your amnesia files and play it oh wow you can find it online isn't that cool is it fun? Did uh, you no, do it? I haven't done it. I, I actually only just saw it like right before we started recording, so I haven't done it. Well, the the original screenshots of it look yeah. very Bioshocky yeah. too. Um, in fact, the only part of like that that of the final game that they uh 
that they were like, oh, this is Rapture entirely is when you enter into the greenhouse and it has yes. like the art deco kind and of design. And that's also an accident. Uh, yeah, no. He walked into the room for the first time. He was like, welcome to Rapture. <laughs> and he talks about that in in his uh, in the commentary. But uh, at his speech, people ask, why is God Home a game? And why is it a different medium? And I agree with him in that I think there's no other medium this could possibly work in, uh, except for maybe immersive theater. Yeah. But even then, I, I don't know... I don't know if I would necessarily get the same feelings that I do uh, with the audio diaries playing exactly it's, at the point where you know, they need to. It's one of those or like, things where either you feel it or, you're, or you don't feel it. And, you know, it's not for yeah. everyone. There's no problem with disliking Gone Home. Um, it's funny when you try I, to make I, an... I think, you're, I think there's something wrong with that. And that's oh, the no, hill all There's absolutely on. nothing wrong with it. Um, the, I, yeah, I know fine. lots of people who live an alternative lifestyle like you who don't like Gone Home. Um, and you know, I just think that you shouldn't do that around children. Um, uh, <laughs> you should always like gone home around children. Um, but like, no, you know, it's, it's, it's a specific kind of game. It's very short. Um, yeah, you gotta be in a specific kind of mood. And, and if you don't feel it, you don't feel it. But like you're walking around a house. That's the entire experience of it is walking around a house. You can't recreate that in a book. You can't recreate that in a movie. It is you yeah. walking around and feeling enveloped by a space. I you know, I had a friend who played Gone Home who who didn't like it because the entire time they were so scared that something was gonna jump out at them. Which is a completely fair yeah. thing. Like, you know, if you're not a fan of horror, uh, and I'm not a fan of horror, but I yeah. it was spoiled for me ahead of time that there weren't gonna be jumps. Yeah. And then there was that one where the light bulb exploded. It's, it's a quiet cool, one. But but yeah. yeah, it is a quiet one. But I, I, I totally get what if people don't mm-hmm. uh, not like Gone Home. It just it really does it really does work for me on yeah. like every single level. Um and one of the big reasons for that and and he, what he talks about a lot in uh, uh, Steve Steve Gaynor in his speech, what he talks a lot about is how what what even makes a game? What is a game? Uh, is it is it bursting into a room and shooting up things all the time, or can it just be a conversation between a creator and a player, mm-hmm. and and establishing boundaries for what the rules are of the world and playing within those? And he said this quote, which I love to pieces, which is any entertainment. Any art worth a damn allows you to understand people better. And I think one of the greatest things about Gone Home is it's just sure, sheer power of empathy. Yeah. And the way that video games are uniquely designed to make you feel and care about other people. And, and I think it, it becomes a bit of a watershed there, too, in terms of storytelling in terms of, of, of really showing, yeah, you can do this. You can build empathy for characters. You can build empathy for characters who are off screen. You can even... Who you never see pictures of. You can even of. build I mean, I guess there's painting, empathy but. for a character that you control in the first person who never speaks. And that you can understand that that character is separate from you and, and give them a sense of being and feel affection for them in addition to these people that you read about. Um, and that has been so important for other game developers, even all the way up at the AAA level, um, to say, oh, yeah, yeah, you can do it. And it can actually be incredibly simple if you just do it. And it's something yeah. that is is more evident in a good piece of immersive theater than what you might get playing a number of video games. Yeah, that's true. And Because, I mean, th- yeah. then you have, like, a connection there in right. person. And, too, well, and so. everybody in theater is always like, well, we do this. It's about connection. 
We want to do this to connect to other people and feel the way. And it's like, yeah, but we do. We do actually want to do that. And it's 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 really cool to see a game that decided that it's that's its minimum viable product was going to be just about that, just that. And then they'll add a little bit of ghost stuff in there too. And yeah. even the uncle doesn't get redemption, um, right. but his story also gets a conclusion and he gets to be removed from the house. It's an exorcism. And yeah. that's another funny thing is that like pe- when people are complaining, they're like, there's not even a ghost. And I was like, there was absolutely a ghost. Yeah, no. <laughs> what game are you 100%. playing? Yeah. There's it's totally a ghost. She has documented evidence of seeing him. Yeah. Like walking around the house. Yeah, they like, they they exorcised yeah. him, and there's probably just some other ghosts also still there. You know, other energy that whether you believe in that stuff in real life or not, and of course that will influence your opinion on on a very naturalistic game. Like, there's a ghost. Uh, I worked I worked on a cruise ship for six months, and while I was on there, um, I worked on a magic show. I was a, an, assist, a, a, an illusionary magic specialist uh, for six months, which is not a real job, but uh, it also didn't, it certainly felt like one. The assistant <laughs> magic specialist had no idea what magic did. We were mostly just actors and dancers who could go on at any time for when the leads who were acting in the show uh, went out sick. Like the, we were there for backup, but they were also using us to run tech. But the lead magic specialist was a, uh, a magician in his own right and also a bodybuilder and also a ghost hunter. Oh. Uh, as it turns uh, out, what's his at? Uh, he would talk a lot about ghost hunting because mm-hmm. you know I I don't necessarily know if I believe in ghosts like the way that we imagine them, but uh, he said he believes that ghosts are are, are energy. It's yeah. just like a, a, a remnant of our energy that we leave behind. And the show that we worked on, The Illusionarium, yeah. had a large just collection of antiques. Uh, mostly from northern New York that they had put on the ship Uh and made it look like, you know, old stuffy and like old timey magic kind of part, a magic parlor kind of idea. And he said, the thing that's really stuck with me is that he said, anything that you touch in life that you imbue with significance, you put a little bit of your energy into that thing. And so I asked him, well, we have a lot of antiques here. Are there ghosts here? And he said, of course there are. And what's so beautiful, I think, about Gone Home is you're not just exploring a house with furniture. You're exploring a house with furniture that has been imbued with meaning by everyone involved in the game. And it is a ghost story in the truest sense. Yeah. You are you are absorbing their stories into you. Yeah. And I can't think of a better form of empathy than that. It, it's at the highest level of what we do. And they've only improved on their approach since then there are incredible directions that we haven't even thought of yet that we will continue to go into that will influence other games that will influence other theater that will then influence other games and the fact that the backlash to it is of course present because it came out at a time where there was this movement of just aimless nihilistic shitheadedness you know, in one sense, they won yeah. because gaming journalism has been broken down to its barest parts because all journalism has broken down. But they didn't accomplish that themselves. Yeah. That just happened. And they don't have anything that they want, even though they do have everything they could want. And they're still just very angry. Yeah. You know, Gamergate as it is, is mostly just dead. But there's still just a lot of people who hang out on stupid forums who just try to get mad at things, try to find <laughs> things 
things to, to get, get mad at because that, that was their that was their community and for so long. They have nothing else. They have no other lens with which to look at the world other than simply being a consumer of video games TM. And this game manages to and has managed historically in its presence uh, to just float above it all and and be that rare opportunity, that thing that came out at just the right time with the right people to find an incredible amount of success. There are a lot of games, yeah. there are a lot of developers who are not so lucky, and that's a shame. But I'm very, yeah. very happy that they got to to do this, and more importantly, that we got to experience it. When we look at gaming uh, history in the future, my hope is that the Gamergate stuff and that very particular subset of gaming culture can be resigned to the basement, yeah. tucked away in a dark corner and a secret shame. And I hope that the future of video gaming can strive for the empathetic heights of that attic and that one photo of a locket being put together. I'm the worst of all possible AJs. I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. Now go home. Well, hey, look at us. It's another episode in the bag. As always, we would like to thank our sponsors, which are not a mini golf course slash gun range, but in fact, our sponsors on Patreon including Aeneas Hemphill, Ben Ferber, Benjamin R. Alford, Dominic Russo, Nate Netsley, Octavia Immersive, with special thank you to Ashley Stoneman and Nicola Donov. All right. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>